0: This is Mark from Mark's Beehole. I have proof that colony collapse disorder is caused by I doubt it with Dallmore. Save the bees, not the Dallmore.
1: The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us for this 200th, not 100 228th episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me is that co-host that I just cannot get rid of, Brittany Page.
2: Were you trying?
1: (laughs) Are you trying? I don't know. Some days.
2: Some days. Some days. Some days you're trying to get rid of me. It's
1: never really trying. It's just, you know. Hoping,
2: wishing, praying.
1: Passive. Yeah, I pray. It's a lot of praying (laughs) that you'll just not be here one day. Mm-hmm. When we when we do the show.
2: Yeah, well, I'll probably eventually, sometime this summer, get heat stroke and die. <laughs> and then I probably won't be here. It is
1: starting to be a miserable bastard.
2: I was sweating all day today in a miserable state. I just, actually, I had to kind of take a step back and just be at peace with what was happening to me. That's
1: probably the best way to do it.
2: Yeah, you just have to accept it.
1: We, what we should do is go on the road and do the show in the summer for in like... Coastal North Carolina or Georgia or Louisiana to really give you an idea of how bad it could be. I mean, look, Los Angeles, it's a hot bastard. But we live, we're right on the coast here. Mm -hmm. There's Newport Beach. Mm -hmm. There's no, it's a nice little breeze. Sometimes it's like 15 and 20 degrees cooler where we're sitting right now. ...than inland, where you go to school, even. Right. Yeah. All right. This weather report brought to you by Brittany Page. (laughs) No. So I do want to give an update before we move on. I do want to talk about, I had my civilian, my regular doctor appointment.
2: Yes, with your head neck.
1: With my head neck? Yes. Me and my head neck went Uh into the doctor. (laughs) And Can I just say this? Um... It is a beautiful experience going to a regular for-profit doctor Yes, who's there running a business,
2: uh-huh. <laughs> wanting to
1: be give good customer service because he doesn't want... It's just good.
2: Mm-hmm. As opposed to... As opposed to the
1: VA, which yes. is just a fucking train wreck. It's terrible because mm-hmm. no one gives a fuck. They're no. going to earn their money whether they see one person or they see a hundred people. They don't care. But what I do notice, though... Is when you put l- the lesser people in charge of being gate. Ah, it's going to sound dickish. Ah, there's no way. There's no way for it not to sound dickish. The people who are like at the desk that are like the gatekeepers,
2: like receptionists. Yeah,
1: kind of, but they, they have a more of a role than just like answering phones. I think, like a medical assistant. I don't know. I don't know. They're the ones that here fill this out, bring it back. Uh huh. They're always. A little on the assholey side.
2: Uh-huh. You know what
1: I mean? Well, th- how so? Th- they're never there's never a problem with them giving too much customer service.
2: <laughs> that is my phrase. Which is
1: also a pet peeve of yours.
2: That is my phrase. Th-
1: that's never a problem for those people. It's always like they're they they are on the verge of being assholes. And then you get back to the doctor who's just the nicest goddamn guy. Everybody behind the barrier of the front desk is super cool, but it's that front desk that just, there must be something that they train those people to be very dismissive and aggressive because it's every single doctor's office I think I've ever been in.
2: Or they just have to deal with the doctor behind the scenes and maybe it's not so pleasant and so they're not very happy working under that person. Oh,
1: the doctor's always a nice guy. Well, to you. Yeah, He's yeah. also probably the guy signing the checks. I don't know. I, I, it just in, in, Anyway, we'll, we'll move on. I, I, just, I, I wonder if the audience has any theories about that. But I did see the guy, and they took x-rays, which had already been taken, but the VA didn't forward them. So the government spent more money taking pictures of my goddamn neck, my head neck, that they didn't need to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway. Take the x-rays, go in, seize me. I'm going to give you a shot of anti-inflammatory,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we're going to give you a script, a, a prescription also.
2: So the shot was in your ass? Th-
1: that's what I thought it would be. So I dropped my pants, you know, like a like a, a guy real eager to have <laughs> somebody else looking at his ass. <laughs> and I did the deal where you stand on one leg and you kind of kick the other leg forward so it relaxes the muscle in that butt cheek. Mm-hmm. And You're a pro. Well, I've had a lot of shots. You, know, you, join the, you join the military and they're poking and prodding you in all kinds of ways when you first join to give you every inoculation under the sun. Uh-huh. Anyway, he goes, oh, it's a real small needle. No, It's no big deal. And then proceeds to just say, oh, just lean up against. You don't have to stand like that. Just lean up against the bench there and doesn't stick it in the ass in my butt cheek. He Sticks it right in my back like it's a fucking epidural. And I almost like (laughs) made like just involuntary noise. God damn. It was a small needle, but holy shit, it packed a punch. Whatever was in there. It's like he had hydrochloric acid inside the needle and just shoved it into my my body.
2: That's horrible. It was
1: not good. It put me I was out of commission the whole day.
2: So wait, he didn't tell you to pull your pants up like, "Hey, I'm not putting it in your ass, you can pull your pants up."
1: No, no. <laughs> well, I wasn't it wasn't like a, 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 a an elementary school kid at the urinal with his pants down to his ankles. Uh-huh. I was holding on to him. Okay. You know. Yeah. But anyway, he it was it was a decent experience.
2: Yeah, my well,
1: neck's still fucked. The medicine didn't seem to her- help, but
2: well, we'll see what happens. He referred you to a physical therapist. I right? haven't had a
1: headache, so that's good.
2: Oh, that's really good. Yeah, that's an improvement. Yeah. So hopefully you are on the road to recovery, so you don't need to deal with uh, painful shots anymore.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, listen, I've dealt with the, the the stiff neck for months now. I could go on with the, the shitty stiff neck. The headaches were what were alarming me. You know, right. I didn't want. Ha- to have to have something growing in my head and just think that it's a stiff neck or something. You know what I mean? Well, it
2: seems like the shot has helped your your headaches.
1: Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, let's move on to some listener voicemail. Only one this show. Uh, The last couple shows, we've had multiple voicemails. We love the communication. It's great. This one is becoming... A regular caller who has contributed such beautiful phrases as this. He dug in her ass. <laughs> Marvin from Long Beach uh, is is posing a query relative to my military service. He is a fellow military or former military man. And he had this to say.
3: Good afternoon, Jesse and Brittany. Hope both of you are doing well. Just finished listening to episode 227. And, uh, I was inspired to call due to Jesse's uh, comments about military. And I'm not, I honestly, the, the reason why is not to get into the, all of the morality and even the pride issue. Uh, I'm not knocking that at all. I'm calling because today happens to be laundry day for me. And <laughs> I was folding some shirts and as I was folding the shirts, that made me think about your, your, uh, The fact that you had been in the Marines. Um, I served in the United States Air Force. I left after graduating high school in 1985 and I actually left Long Beach to go to Texas for boot camp the day after Christmas, 1985. So why mention about laundry day? Because I fold my stuff still. I fold my underwear. I fold my shirts. They're not quite six-inch squares anymore, Um <laughs> but I still, you know, do all that stuff. I have all my shirts hanging in my closet all facing the same way and buttoned up, as well as my pants. The The fly of the pants all face the same way. I, I'm just like that, and I know that was instilled with me in into me by my time in the Air Force. So I was just curious, is there anything that you – that's a part of your life now that probably would not be had you not been in the Marines. Um, one more thing I'd like to say too, not only did I do my time, I served from 1985 to 1996. And uh I was also a Navy brat. My father was a retiree from the Navy. And uh so he instilled in me for, you know, growing up about being late, and then that was all the more, you know, to any appointment, that was all the more reinstilled. I mean, yeah, I should say reinstilled into me after I joined, you know, late to me is if I'm 10 minutes early <laughs> on time is about, you know, 30 minutes early to 15 minutes early. That's just me. I got married and, uh, my wife, her idea of on time was like 30 to, an hour late, you know, fashionably <laughs> late. So you can imagine that probably. Uh, I mean, not probably that. That was a big thing between us. I'm, I'm the on time person, which to me is early, and she's not. But anyway, back to the main question. I was just curious if there's anything that was instilled in you during your time in the in the Marines that you still stick with now. As always, I love your show. Can't wait to hear the next one. Take care. Bye.
1: Well, the on-time thing is certainly something that carried over for me. What was the? They used to say when I was in the Marine Corps that if you're if you're on time, you're if you're if you're 15 minutes early, you're you're on time. If you're on time, you're late, and if you're late, you're UA, which is unauth. It's a wall. It's mm. unauthorized absence. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do fucking hate being late.
2: Yeah, you also hate when other people are late. I, yeah,
1: it really bothers me.
2: So you and Marvin. Share this. Well, for me, it's disrespectful.
1: It's disrespectful of my time. It's disrespectful of everybody else. I I don't know. I'm not a guy who I demand respect. That's not my deal. But goddamn, just, you know how long it takes to get places. You know (laughs) what time it is at any given moment. Like, I've never understood those people who set their watch 15 minutes ahead. Because you just, you know, your watch is set 15 minutes ahead. Right. It's not like you're tricking yourself. Right. Right. If you could do the old men in black light thing in your face and forget that that's the case, that might help. But you, you're you the one that set it ahead.
2: Yeah. So what about the folding of the laundry situation? I feel like this is something that has definitely skipped you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't <laughs> not All of that stuff. I didn't. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I've always orderly loyalty has been. That's a thing. I was going to take it a little bit more serious than my laundry situation. But Loyalty. That type of thing has has always, I guess, maybe always been, but it's it, it was just bolstered because I I do consider myself a loyal person, right? G- a good friend I could be counted upon. Mm-hmm. I don't know, so I, I don't really have a a hard and fast answer, but. Uh,
2: But you picked up a lot of life skills, obviously.
1: Well, yeah, some life skills, some things that aren't as applicable in in civilian life.
2: Right, of course.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not a lot of urban warfare and house to house and, you know, eh, it's good. I I did have a good time. Like I said, I I don't want to rehash from last episode, but I, I definitely... Um, I believe I'm a better person having served and the training that I went through and the bonds that were formed. So not a lot of suspe- not a lot of specifics, but some good positive aspects of it. All right, uh, thank you, Marvin, for calling. Also, thank you for your service. I appreciate it very much.
2: Yes, thank you. Uh, even though, yeah, it's Air Force. <laughs> oh God,
1: <laughs> he knows I'm fucking around. It's an inter-service rivalry. Uh, I have to. I have to get a jab in i was in the marine corps
2: yeah he was
1: practically a greyhound bus driver
2: oh my gosh (laughs) how dare you
1: i'm sure that's what he's saying right now if you too would like to sound off communicate with the show further the conversation 657-464-7609 that is the number that marvin called you can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to i doubt it at dollamore.com. Listen, have you reviewed the show yet? Are you one of the, the lucky few who have gone to iTunes or wherever you listen to the show and leave a rating and review for the show? If you have not, we would love to invite you to do so. It helps us. It puts the show, iTunes has some weird system where they The more reviewed we are over a short period of time, it puts the show in front of new people. It bumps us up into the what's hot um, listing. It might even push us back into new and noteworthy, which would be great. But if you haven't done us that favor, we would really appreciate it a lot. All right, moving on. Well, it appears as though the world has suffered another. Tragic, senseless, terrorist attack due to mythology. Istanbul, Turkey, the airport has been attacked, leaving almost 50 dead and over 100 injured. Those numbers are clearly fluid and changing as we speak, but it is a problem. I mean, it's a continuing problem that we face in the global community. And I don't know. I don't know if you get this feeling, Brittany, but I I think the tide may be turning relative to a global response, a unified global response to this. Because clearly ISIS didn't attack the airport there because of U.S. foreign policy. Mm-hmm. They didn't just attack Christians because of some rift, between faiths, mm-hmm. they did so because they're a a a hate group, basing their their bizarre beliefs on a particular facet of their fairy tale. And I don't know why I can't put my finger on it, but I just feel like the global community is coming together and. Hopefully, something positive relative to a response comes from this.
2: Well, it's pretty alarming because they have been playing footage of this pretty much continuously on the news. And you can see the the suicide bombers before they explode. Yeah. And there were three suicide bombers. And I think kind of going to what you're saying, the uh, terror attack occurred... And then just five hours later, the airport was up and running again. Yeah. Meaning that people were traveling after five hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After all of these people had just been murdered and wounded. Now, think about that. I mean, they can't even clear an accident off the freeway in five hours. And yeah. they cleared this airport in five hours, which, you know, has some concerns like you've brought up about properly handling the evidence and things like that but you also said that it it could go toward listen you're not going to disrupt our lives
1: right i think that if the if the terrorist if they know that they shut down an airport for two days and really inconvenienced everyone and continued the spectacle of the, the the carnage of people seeing it well that That really does instill terror in the minds of people where if you you clean it up and you're back to business within five hours, they don't win as much. But there is something to be said for them clearing that entire massive crime scene in five hours. There's no way they did the investigation the proper way. To, to determine the signature of the bomb maker. And there's all kinds of different aspects that they should have really been very careful about. But uh, they did what they did, and um, I'm sure that they have some some reason for it. So that's, that's definitely been on our hearts today and uh, just fucking tragic. It's terrible. All right. In other news, more U.S.-related... The Supreme Court this week has struck down a an infamous Texas abortion law, which was restricting the several clinics throughout the state to a point where they were shutting down and not being able to give service.
4: Abortion rights activists outside the highest court in the land erupted in cheers when the decision came down. Today. Women across America have had their constitutional rights vindicated. The court threw out a Texas law that required abortion clinics to upgrade their facilities to hospital-like standards and for clinic doctors to have admitting privileges at nearby hospitals. Supporters of the law argued it raised the level of care for women. But the opposition said the law would have closed all but a handful of clinics in Texas. Justice Stephen Breyer, in the majority opinion, wrote... The Texas law, quote, provides few, if any, health benefits for women, poses a substantial obstacle to women seeking abortions, and constitutes an undue burden on their constitutional right to do so. Justice Clarence Thomas wrote a bitter dissenting opinion, accusing the court of eroding the Constitution, saying... The court has simultaneously transformed judicially created rights like the right to abortion into preferred constitutional rights, while disfavoring many of the rights actually enumerated in the Constitution. The key in delivering this victory to abortion rights supporters, the perennial swing vote, Justice Anthony Kennedy.
2: Seems like he's swinging to the liberal side more frequently these
4: days than he is to the conservative side. Kennedy's decision to side with the liberals on the bench signals the court's majority in their favor could continue, regardless of who becomes president and nominates a new justice to fill Antonin Scalia's empty seat. It wouldn't have mattered if there was a President Trump nominee or if Justice Scalia was still on the bench. In that case, he would have had a 5-4 ruling instead of a 5-3 ruling. But either way, you would have had Justice Kennedy joining the four more liberal justices to provide a majority supporting abortion rights in this case. Hearing the court's ruling, President Obama tweeted, Every woman has a constitutional right to make her own reproductive choices. I'm pleased to see the Supreme Court reaffirm that fact today. Today, women lost. Meanwhile, anti abortion activists are vowing to never give up. Today, we're really
2: disappointed. Um, The five justices let us down. We did face a loss, but the pro life generation is coming back stronger than ever. So it doesn't appear that way because. (laughs) I was just going to say that. (laughs) Even if...
1: It most certainly doesn't appear that way. Also, they would be also the anti-gay marriage generation. They're in that same camp.
2: Right. So the Senate Republicans are refusing to act on Obama's nomination of Judge Merrick Garland. And they're hoping that a Republican, Donald Trump, can get in there and nominate somebody. But this kind of shows an unfortunate situation for pro-life activists, right? Which is... Even if a Republican nominates a Republican, there still appears to be a five person majority Mm -hmm. that's going to rule against abortion restrictions.
1: Well, if if that would be the case, yes, there would be still this would be a 5-4 ruling. If there was a Republican in there, but if Merrick Garland was to be in there, it would be a 6-3
2: Right, that's majority
1: what on the uh, it, it would be a six three majority decision.
2: Right, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. I, I'm not sure what hope the pro life activists are still holding on to in the present moment. Right, that there's something different that's going to happen in the future because right now this is the state of the court.
1: Well, listen, it's not just the state of the court, but it's it's we're building on precedent upon precedent upon precedent. It's not just the Roe versus Wade ruling which legalized abortion. Now, the the ruling is not even whether or not abortion should be legal. It's the undue burden that's being placed on the individual people, the individual women to go and and find reproductive services like abortion. So because they are they are putting too much of an undue burden, that's the words they're using, on these women. That is unconstitutional. They're not even answering the question about abortion. That's been answered. That's likely never going to. I, I just don't see a world where that would change. It's a completely separate question of the undue burden. So so good, good news for, for Texas. Good news. All right, moving on.
2: So we have two new patrons to thank, Mateo yes. and Sean. Mateo and Sean. Thank you very much for joining our growing legion of Patreon supporters.
1: <laughs> Why are you laughing?
2: I don't know, because I'm being dramatic.
1: <laughs> Seriously, though, thank you, gentlemen, so much. It, it really is. It's it's uh, very important, and we appreciate it so, so much.
2: We really wouldn't be doing the show without the support, the loyal support of our listeners and our Patreon supporters and our PayPal donors and the people who support us through the Amazon affiliate link, just everything. You guys make it possible for us to do this show.
1: And now we're a little bit closer to three shows a week. Right. If we get to that $250 an episode mark, we're going to start doing a third episode a week. Mm -hmm. And wow, that would be awesome. We could incorporate all kinds of new stuff. Yes. Also, listen, we haven't gotten any. All, uh, everybody at that level uh, about the the Google Hangout or the Skype session or whatever the fuck we want to do with that. No one has said when would be good or whatever. So maybe I'll just set a date. But one more time, email, tweet, Facebook, whatever. Let us know what would work for you. And we could maybe try to make some, find a consensus. But again, thank you guys Sean, Mateo, you guys are beautiful. We appreciate you very much. And if you would like to join, again, dollamore.com, left-hand side of the page. Support the show. You got PayPal. You got Patreon. And, of course, you could shop on Amazon. And every little bit goes a long, long way. All right. Let's get into this. Dollamocracy 2016. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Well, I think everybody knows we have a tremendous amount of respect for Nate Silver over at 538.com. Although they did have a little rough road this election cycle with the anomaly, the cancer, the human tumor that is Donald Trump, the unpredictability that he has kind of inserted injected into this election cycle but it hasn't shaken Nate Silver he has made his pick and if you remember the last I think two election cycles he has picked every single state and the way that they would go relative to their presidential candidate and their electoral votes but Nate Silver has made a pick for this general election cycle So right now we have Hillary's about a 75 or an 80 percent favorite. We have different versions of the forecast you can look at. So here's how to think about it. Um, We're kind of at halftime of the election right now, and she's taking a seven point, maybe a 10 point lead into halftime. There's a lot of football left to be played, but she's ahead in almost every poll, every swing state, every national poll. Um, Both camps have a lot of room to grow. I mean, she's at only 43 percent. Trump's at 37 percent or so. But historically, the last candidate to blow a lead this large was in 88 Michael when Dukakis. Dukakis had a big lead coming out of the spring and the summer and wound up
3: um losing of course well, to
1: So, pretty solid analysis and I would even despite the problems that he and Harry Hinton, Harry Enten have had with their their picker being a little off and miscalculating the rise of Donald Trump, I I still agree With this analysis. Now, he's he's not taking into account, sorry, he's not taking into account the libertarian aspect of this, the libertarian party. And I think that will be a larger element that they're not taking into account, but it will only go to bolster a Hillary Clinton win, as far as I'm concerned.
2: Well, I think that's why he is saying it's still early. There's a lot of game left. So right now, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. But it could change. I mean, that's what he's saying. Sure. It's going to change. Right. So right now, this is the situation. (laughs) And people are freaking out about this and being very aggressive about it, saying, yeah, well, you've been wrong this whole time. Why would we believe anything you have to say now? So again, uh, masterful scientists and statisticians, calm down.
1: (laughs) You're talking about just the, the cheap seats, the peanut gallery. Yes. The people who are not scientists, well,
2: the people who, who are not
1: statisticians.
2: Yeah, the people who seem to know how to do this at a very advanced level, who aren't doing it themselves. Right. Um, he, <laughs> this is the prediction for now. We'll see what happens. Just take it at that. That's yeah, it. <laughs>
1: right. Well, listen, th- this is all kind of part and parcel with what I've been talking about, the, about the death of the re- modern Republican Party. That you have stalwart members of the party who are now leaving the party who are being loud and, and, and bo- boisterous about their announcement. Yeah, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. One such person is famed, venerated, conservative George Will, who is, who's already
5: left the
1: Republican Party.
5: Before we get to Britain leaving the EU, George, I want to talk about you. You announced this week that you have left the Republican Party. Why? I left it for the same reason I joined it in 1964 when I voted for Barry Goldwater. I joined it because I was a conservative. I leave for the same reason that I'm a conservative. give you a timeline. Shortly after Trump became the presumptive nominee, he had a summit meeting with Paul Ryan where they stressed their common principles and their vast shared ground, which is much more important than their differences. I thought that was puzzling, doubly so, because Paul Ryan still didn't endorse him after Trump went after the Mexican judge from Northern Indiana, then Paul Ryan endorsed him. And I decided that in fact, this is not my party anymore. I changed my registration to unaffiliated 23 days ago. I hardly made an announcement. I've just mentioned this in a meeting with the Federalist Society. So the long and the short of it is, as Ronald Reagan said when he changed his registration, uh, I did not leave the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party left me. Now, not surprisingly, Donald Trump has tweeted his reaction to this news today. Let's put it up on the screen. He says that you are overrated and that you lost your way a long time ago. Would you like to respond? He has an advantage on me because he can say everything he knows about any subject in 140 characters and I can't.
2: It's a great burn.
1: That is an awesome burn.
5: Let's let's hear that one more time. He can say everything he knows about any subject in 140 characters, and I can't. He can say everything he
1: knows about any subject in 140 characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is a sweet, sweet burn. So George Will is out, and there's many others who are leaving the party in droves. I left a long time ago, but...
2: Well, something is happening, and I don't know if you if you heard this news that a group of white nationalists and uh, skinheads, the ones who held the rally in Sacramento over the weekend where a bunch of people got stabbed. A
1: bunch of them got stabbed.
2: Five people were stabbed. Yeah. Um, they're planning to be at the Republican National Convention in Cleveland to, quote, make sure that Donald Trump supporters are defended.
1: Yeah, it seems almost like a weird jackbooted security force that they think they are now and all they are is just a bunch of skinhead biker douchebags
2: they're talking about how they need to protect trump supporters from these you know liberals that are going to show up and attack everybody at the gop uh national convention so it it does
1: baffle me and i have people in my life and my family who consider themselves evangelical christians And who have a defined set of beliefs based on the Bible and morality and all this other bullshit. And they are supporting Trump wholeheartedly. And even in the face of all these conservatives who are leaving the party. Not just not supporting Trump, they're leaving the Republican Party. It's in large part because of the wackiness. The nuttiness that is coming out of the Trump camp. In this next clip, Ashley Banfield, who was an anchor on CNN, she kind of loses it. <laughs> Talking about a Trump surrogate, Michael Cohen. He's the guy who has said all the sexist bullshit. He is an aggressive, he's not necessarily actually working for the campaign, but he retweeted something that made a ridiculous Assertion.
2: I think he serves as special counsel at the Trump organization.
1: Right. He works for Trump's business side. He doesn't work for the campaign. Okay. But he, he made a ridiculous assertion in a tweet, and Ashley Banfield uh, kind of freaked out.
6: Let me do a complete about face here. Neemalik, I want you to take a look at a tweet that just came out from Michael Cohen, who is one of the chief advisors for Donald Trump. He's worked within the Trump Organization. He said this, the NBC Wall Street Journal poll has at real Donald Trump beating crooked Hillary on honesty and national security. This picture says it all. And if you read what the meme says, and I'll quote the meme here, I presided over six billion lost at the State Department, sold uranium to the Russians through my faux charity, illegally deleted public records, and murdered an ambassador. This show is called Legal View because we know a thing or two about the law. And Michael Cohen is a lawyer. That there is libel to suggest that a woman murdered an ambassador. Uh, Look, it's not as though Hillary Clinton's team is about to go and launch some litigation on this, but that's pretty strident stuff. It is strident, uh, and I think it,
4: it again goes to what has been Donald Trump's problem, this very sort of undisciplined, uh, shoot-from-the-hip campaign. And Michael Cohen, again, isn't affiliated officially uh, with that campaign, but he's been a longtime aide uh, to Donald Trump. I remember covering Donald Trump in 2012 uh, when he was sort of pretending that he was going to run for president uh, back then in New Hampshire, and Michael Cohen uh, was there. And, and, and Donald Trump was often on the phone with him uh, as well. So, so you know, I mean, again, this is the kind of a strident language uh, that has uh, sort of been surrounding the Donald can Trump just, campaign, I,
6: often coming from Donald Trump himself. Can I show you a tweet that, that Michael Cohen, uh, the author of this one from moments ago, put out two years ago? There it is, folks. Have a look at what Michael Cohen (laughs) thought of Secretary Clinton (laughs) uh, being received by two great Americans. Hillary Clinton presumably being one of the great Americans and Patrick Kennedy uh, presumably being the other great American at the Kennedy compound. So I'm not exactly sure what happened because you know what? Benghazi had happened two years prior to that tweet. And apparently Michael Cohen thought she was a great American two years after Benghazi and and now he, he does not.
1: Which is just emblematic of the hypocrisy and utter idiocy of the Donald Trump campaign coming out of their daily.
2: Well, and it's what we've talked about where, you know, they'll be on the news and they'll be talking. You ask them a question. They don't answer it directly. Right. It doesn't happen like that in any other social interaction. If it were to happen, you would say, what the hell's going on here? And it's very similar for this situation. He is attacking Hillary Clinton, calling her a murderer.
1: Right. That is a serious claim.
2: And, you know, and years ago, he said, with a picture together, praising her.
1: Right. Which was two years. The picture was uh, Michael Cohen with both Hillary Clinton on one side and Patrick Kennedy on the other, and him saying, I'm being received by two great Americans.
2: So what happened?
1: Right. Donald Trump ran for (laughs) president. That's what happened.
2: It's so strange, because if you knew someone personally who was doing this kind of... Flip-flopping, going back and forth, you would be confused, I imagine. You would think
1: they were mentally ill. You is would what say,
2: you'd well, you would say, what's going on here? Because you felt this <laughs> way about this person at this point in time. And now you're leveling this very serious accusation. What changed in this right. short period of time?
1: There's no new information. There's zero new information. I mean, the Benghazi committee just released their findings. Eh, nothing new zero new information they didn't undercover they didn't uncover any fucking thing right so
2: and eh. wasted a lot of money and a time, lot,
1: millions of dollars mm-hmm. it's a bummer well that kind of brings me i was going to talk about this later but uh, the, the media thing and the contentious thing with with the so rarely happens when someone interviews trump or any trump surrogate recently there's a guy over at cnn well his, his name is richard quest
2: He's the missing airplane guy. Yeah, he's typically. always,
1: every time there's a missing airplane, they get this guy around, and he
2: he prattles on with his
1: deep, gravelly, British voice. and
2: Which I wish I had.
1: He's fucking annoying, this guy. No. But let me tell you, <laughs> he, he did a number the other day. He was interviewing Nigel Farage, who is the, the, the Brexit guy. He's the pro-leave-vote guy. And I want to play, it's like an eight-minute interview, but I, only, I picked four really short segments of the interview where Richard Quest did a good goddamn job of pushing and being contentious. And I really do believe the media should be consistently, actively defiant in interviews, contentious in interviews. They shouldn't let things slide. They should do like Jake Tapper did and ask 23 times the one question to get an answer. They needn't fear lack of access to a a particular um, personality or politician. They should do their jobs at all times. Here is Richard Quest doing that very thing with Nigel Farage.
7: If David Cameron is to some extent the official player on behalf of the United Kingdom in the dinners and, and meetings, Nigel Farage is probably uh, the unofficial leader in that sense because he was the unofficial leader within a large part of the Brexit campaign. We've already heard your speech, or part of it, in Parliament this morning. You were almost gratuitously rude to the parliamentarians, and you enjoyed it. (laughs) Now, look, they were abusing me. You keep talking about the political elite. You keep talking about the establishment. Sir, you're part of it. You've been here for 17 years. Yeah, but I came into it from business. I used to trade commodities and currencies. I had a proper job once. So how on earth do you have the effrontery to criticise Wall Street, the banks, you criticise big business when you were part of those markets? Well, yeah, but the markets aren't just dominated by big business. The Prime Minister has resigned. You've got leadership elections in two parties. This is sending a terrible message about what's happening in Britain to the it's rest of the world. It's a great message. How can you say that, it's sir? It's a great message. Our political class have let us down like a cheap pair of braces. And what we did last week in that referendum was say, get thee gone. But you didn't challenge your fellow Brexiteers on their assertion no. that it would go to. Should you have done Well, that's my problem. I'm just too soft, too kind too easy there are many words that i would (laughs) use to describe you sir none of those would come within that my vocabulary finally if you
1: were so really good i mean he really hammers him and holds him and it's still it doesn't have to be contentious
2: well it can't be contentious because of the accents everything sounds so friendly i don't even know what you're talking about
1: Wow.
4: It sounded
2: like they were just socializing at a bar because of the accents. You're
1: Brexiteers. <laughs> well,
2: how dare you, sir? That was terrible. I know. <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> I can only do it with Harry Potter.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's move back to Donald Trump and talk a little bit about his bankruptcies. NBC it put out a report, this little package, and they're talking about how the math doesn't add up related to his what he would consider three possibly four i don't know what that means but three possibly four bankruptcies
0: this week hillary clinton attacked donald trump as a bad businessman and mocked him for the number of times his companies have gone bankrupt
4: he's written a lot of books about business they all seem to end at chapter 11 he bankrupted his companies not once not twice but four times
0: She was recycling a battle cry from the GOP primary debates. This spring, Trump's GOP rivals hammered him over his four bankruptcies. Well, I don't know
6: anything about bankrupting four
0: companies. Four times.
6: Four times.
0: Trump said in one debate that he has had four business bankruptcies. Out of hundreds of deals that I've done,
8: hundreds, on four occasions, I've taken advantage of the laws of
0: this country. In another debate, Trump suggested there's been fewer business bankruptcies three times, maybe four times. However, according to public records and bankruptcy attorneys we've talked to, Trump's businesses didn't file for bankruptcy four times. They've technically filed for bankruptcy six times. Here's the breakdown. The first Trump business bankruptcy was in 1991 in what he called the eighth wonder of the world, the Trump Taj Mahal Casino in Atlantic City. The second and third were the Trump Plaza and the Trump Castle in the spring of 1992. And then the famous Plaza Hotel in New York, which Trump owned, went into bankruptcy later in 92.
5: Donald Trump's hotels and casino resorts are in deep debt. In the
0: 2000s, Trump would again have difficulties in Atlantic City.
8: Almost every hotel in Atlantic City has either been in bankruptcy or will be in bankruptcy, the biggest.
0: His casinos there would file for bankruptcy twice, in 2004 and again in 2009. Trump no longer owns the Plaza or the casinos, and he's suing to get his name taken hundreds hundreds off the Taj Mahal. Deals, 4 times. So this needs
1: to be talked about more. This needs to be brought to the light of day more because he's posturing himself as this masterful businessman who's bankrupted Six separate major businesses.
2: I mean, I'm just not surprised by any of this. Everything that Donald Trump says or does just seems like some show that he's putting on.
1: that, That is so apt. It really is like a show.
2: When is he ever telling the truth? When is he ever being genuine? When is he ever... I mean, it's just always like he's pretending to be this character.
1: That's right. Yeah, listen, he had a meeting last week, I believe, with a group of evangelical ministers, religious folk, Mm
0: -hmm. at
1: which he questioned the faith, the religious faith of Hillary Clinton. I
8: think it's about Hillary in terms of religion. She's been in the public eye for years and years, and yet there's no, there's nothing out there. There's like nothing out there. It's gonna be an extension of Obama, but it's gonna be worse because with Obama, you had your guard out. With Hillary, you don't. And it's gonna be worse. <laughs> so I think uh, people were saying, some of the people were saying, let's pray for our leaders. And I said, well, you can pray for your leaders. And I agree with that, pray for everyone. But what you really have to do is you have to pray to get everybody out to vote for one specific person. and. We can't be again politically correct and say we pray for all of our leaders because all of your leaders are, are selling Christianity down the tubes, selling the evangelicals down the tubes. And it's a very, very, uh, it's a
1: very, very bad thing that's happening.
2: So I, I'm grunting throughout this clip because
1: <laughs> you can't contain yourself. Well, what
2: is happening in that room with that woman?
1: Oh, mm hmm.
2: And I I think I heard an amen. I'm not sure what is wrong with these people, because what the hell did he even say? Well,
1: one, he did say, look, and yeah, we should. We should pray for everybody. We should pray for our leaders. And then 10 seconds later said, no, don't pray for your leaders. You need to pray to get everybody out to vote.
2: Because they're, (laughs) they're selling Christianity and evangelicals down the tubes. Right. And it's this—it's
1: the same goddamn group of religious fanatics in this room who are listening to Donald Trump and peppering him with "Amen's" and mm, "Oh yes, so good." It's these same people who forget or ignore stuff like this.
8: But have you ever asked God for forgiveness? I'm not sure I have. I just go and try and do a better job from there. I don't think so. I think I, if, I, if I do something wrong, I think I just try and make it right. I don't bring God into that picture. I don't. Now, when I take, you know, when we go in church and, and when I drink my little wine, which is about the only wine I drink, and have my little cracker, I guess that's a <laughs> form of asking for forgiveness. And I do that as often as possible because I feel cleansed, okay?
1: He, he doesn't bring God into asking for forgiveness and he's a he's a christian he's a protestant he's a presbyterian believe me believe me yeah what is he even fucking talking about and how is this room full of evangelical leaders christian leaders just drinking the fucking kool-aid cup after cup
2: well when he's talking about the blood and the body of christ and he's saying, "Oh, I'll drink my little wine and snack on my little cracker." <laughs> right. How is that not offensive? Right. It, let's say an atheist were to say that exact phrase in the exact tone. You're drinking
1: and, your little wine, drinking your little cracker. Yeah,
2: that would be offensive. Yeah, right. But because he's saying it, it's somehow legitimate. Just because he claims to be a Christian.
1: Well, like I said, they're ignoring or forgetting that. Well, as as well as this.
0: Okay. You mentioned the Bible. You've been talking about how it's your favorite book. And you said, I think last night in Iowa, some people are surprised that you say that. I'm wondering what one or two of your most favorite Bible uh, verses are well, and why. I, I
8: wouldn't want to get into it because to me that's very personal. You know, when I talk <laughs> about
0: the Bible, it's very
8: personal. So I don't want to get into there's verses. No, I don't no want to get into a, There's no, no I, verse I, that means just, a lot to you that you
0: think about or cite? The,
8: the Bible means a lot to me, but I don't want to get into specifics.
0: Even to cite a verse that no, you
8: like? No, I don't want to do that. you I mean, an Old
7: Testament okay. guy or a New Testament
8: guy? Uh, probably. Equal I think it's just an incredible The whole bible is an incredible I joke uh, very much so They always hold up the art of the deal I say my second favorite book of all time
1: And they're They're standing behind This fucking charlatan
2: Oh I don't know how People just didn't crack up When he said that it I mean, absurd. It's so clear that he just has No idea what he's talking about he couldn't even give a Bible verse. He's acting like it's for, confidential for information. For God so loved
1: the world, he gave his only begotten son, blah, blah, blah. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. There's all kinds of... Yeah, all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's a million different scriptures that you no, could have just rattled off. Quit
2: sharing that. That is personal. <laughs> that is private.
1: It is. It, it baffles me. Judge not, lest ye be judged. How about just Jesus wept? <laughs> it's
2: personal. It's private.
0: Well, they're ignoring that. And they're ignoring this. Do you actively go to church, or is that something that it's more just when you can? Right.
8: Well, I go as much as I can always on Christmas, always on Easter, mm-hmm. uh, always when there's a major occasion, and during the, during the Sundays. I'm a Sunday church person. I'll go when I can.
1: Mm-hmm. That's... Two days out of 365 that he named. So for 363 of the days of the year, eh, he's not a church-going man. Mm -hmm. If you believe what he says, which clearly they're believing it. They're buying it. They're jumping behind him. Like I said, I've got family who are Donald Trump supporters and completely ignoring this. They'll listen to him talk about Hillary Clinton's lack of Christianity or lack of faith while believing him to be a man of deep faith. Dr. James Dobson, the focus on the family Nazi, recently said that he knows the guy who actually recently led Donald Trump to Christ. Mm. And that he is now born again in Christ Jesus. Uh, it's it's a fucking joke that they are painting their faith with a comical brush. Ugh. So let's wrap the show, and we're not gonna we're not gonna end today with a with an asshole of today or a Florida Files or a Taking Care of Biz. We're gonna end today. We need like a new segment, maybe uh maybe a yeah, no shit, right? Yeah, no shit? What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, this could very well be a new segment because I'm sure there are many stories like this every day.
1: Well, Tony Robbins is the the giant, ham-fisted, 500 teeth in his mouth, giant smile, motivational speaker guy who goes around the country and, and speaks his corny platitudes... While charging people hundreds of dollars to sit in a room with him for a few hours. And he usually ends his seminars or his talks with walking on coals or, you know, your cliche motivational bullshit.
2: Well, he encourages you to walk on the hot coals as a way of conquering your fear.
1: Right. Well, apparently it wasn't such a good idea just recently.
4: Some who took part in a Tony Robbins event left in pain, and not the emotional kind. At least 30 of them were treated for minor burns to their feet after walking across a bed of hot coals. Robinson's website says the fire walk is meant to help people conquer their fears. Instead, dozens are now nursing their injuries. What went wrong this time? From what you could tell,
5: um, I don't know if it was the, if they used the wrong kind of wood or uh, maybe the the pit was not flat and there were some jagged jagged coals sticking up which uh, made the surface area you know not not smooth and caused you know as if Mm -hmm. as if you're stepping on uh, just a small rock and it can cause an injury to the foot I think the same thing Mm -hmm. may have happened with the coals that some of them were sticking up and the entire foot just all the pressure went on a single coal, and that's hmm. what I think happened.
4: Oh, I, I should read this uh, statement from a spokesman for Tony Robbins that says it is always the goal to have no guests with any discomfort afterwards, but it's not uncommon to have fewer than 1% of participants experience hot spots, which is similar to a sunburn that can be treated with aloe.
1: Kind of a shitty statement coming out of the Tony Robbins camp, right? Very dismissive.
2: Well, they also said in a statement to the Associated Press that about 7,000 people walked across the coals and only five requested any examination beyond what was readily available on site.
1: So they're denying the 30-person number here.
2: Yeah, and it also seems like they're saying, listen, only a handful of people are saying they got burned, so... (laughs) (laughs) don't believe them you know wow
1: listen this is again uh, i don't want to malign the people who take part in these seminars and because i think they're really trying to make their lives better and they're just not sure how to do it but this guy's kind of a clown you know what i mean
2: well, his, his seminars can range from about $1,000 to $3,000, and the one that he's doing right now apparently is called Unleash the Power Within, Right, and it's described as a program that is designed to help you unlock and unleash the forces inside that can help you break through any limit.
1: Yeah, this guy's just a, it's kind of the power of positive thinking. He's a, he's a, he's a late night infomercial guy who made it big. And people trust his word. They trust him as a as a source for motivation and inspiration. Eh, I don't know.
2: Which is fine if those people get something out of hearing him, or he makes their life better. I hope he's not taking advantage of people. Uh, from my perspective, I think he might be, but. That's just me. Um, Some people that were at this seminar also are putting blame on the people that got burned, saying that the people that got burned... Like,
1: just didn't have enough faith
2: or something? No, like, they weren't concentrating on walking because (laughs) they were taking selfies and asking other people to take video of them. So they were stopping and not just...
1: Who's gonna stop on the coals? I, I don't know about that.
2: Yeah, I don't know either. Because one person that got burned, he this was actually his second time doing the coal walk, and he said the first time was a very good experience, but this time not so good. He had, I think, second degree burns on his feet.
1: God damn! So it's not just a fucking sunburn, like the dicks said.
2: I don't believe so, because he claims he suffered second-degree burns on both his feet. <laughs> wow. And he he said that he...
1: Really? You, you burnt yourself walking on hot coals? Yeah. Yeah, yeah no shit.
2: <laughs> yeah, but he blames the the staff members and says that they didn't allow the coals to cool long enough prior mm. to... You know, but that doesn't matter, because you're supposed to conquer the fear. Right. And also conquer the second-degree burns.
1: You should have had more faith. You just should have. You should have concentrated more. That would have helped.
2: So this is something I have no interest in doing. He
1: didn't unleash the power within well enough. Is that what the name of the, the thing was? Unleash <laughs> the power within.
2: Unleash the power within, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, just didn't do it. Didn't get it done.
2: But if you have done this, I'd love to hear about it. I would it. love
1: to hear it. I'd love to yeah, hear about your sure. experience
2: walking on the coals. Because i Or going I, to a
1: Tony Robbins thing.
2: Yeah, I am not ballsy enough to do either of those things.
1: Yeah. All right. We are going to end it there. We love you guys. We appreciate you joining us. You are what makes us have the power unleashed within us. If you'd like to support the show other than listening twice a week or as often as you do, go to dollamore.com. There you will find a link that says support the show. Pick your poison. We'd love to have you on board as a partner with PayPal or Patreon. Also, if you haven't reviewed and rated the show, take a minute. Take 90 seconds and go do that on iTunes. We would be eternally grateful for that. We appreciate you. We love you. And until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. This weather report brought to you by Brittany Page. <laughs>